All right, we're rolling. Welcome back, everybody, to the Armor of 613 podcast, where we are preparing men for the spiritual battleground. Because remember, gentlemen, it's a battleground, not a playground. My name is Mark Rice, and I am joined by my brothers at arms, Mr. Jonathan Denton. Yes, sir. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> and also our technical sound man slash logo design and all the other stuff that we have no idea what to do. Mr. Aaron Wojcik. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Just trying to keep it simple. Balance keep. it out. I got you. Just keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. Well, welcome back, everybody. We hope you are enjoying this series on the armor of God. We feel like this is something that every man should know about the armor of God. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6.13, that's what this podcast is based off of. Imagine that, guys. Do you guys see the relation there? I was picking up on it. He's picking up on it? He's picking up on it. I don't even think they're listening to me. Can you believe this, guys? (laughs) Sorry, I was watching TV. See how this works? Jeez. Anyway, (laughs) we're here. It's (laughs) This is uh, episode three. Last uh, episode you heard over the belt of truth, we're going to dive into the breastplate of righteousness. This is the second piece of armor that the Apostle Paul, while he is sitting in a cold jail, he's pinning this letter to the church of Ephesus. Ephesus. (laughs) That's what I speak in tongues. That's how they say it in the South. Look at Ephesus. They's down there in Ephesus, (laughs) and they was getting in all kinds of trouble. But anyway. All right, I digress. So, the breastplate of righteousness. Jonathan. Yes. Talk to us. So, the breastplate of righteousness, a practical, uh, we'd like to break out, like, the practical use of of the armor, like how, how it was put into use in that time and in that day, and then we can tie it into right. spiritual meaning, right? Right. So, we talked a lot about, actually, righteousness in our last episode if you caught that, because uh, the loins girt about with truth, the belt of truth, it ties a lot in with righteousness. So the scripture says in Ephesians 6, verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And so uh, the, the practical lesson here is this, and uh, this is what most men need to hear, is that it's the most valuable piece of defense. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness is the most valuable defensive weapon that you have. Uh, Why the, is that? The, the because it was the piece that covered uh, the heart. It covered all the vital organs. Uh, it protected the man in battle. Uh, the breastplate covered the entire front area. Uh, and think about it: damage to any one of those organs would be fatal. You'd be done. You'd be done. I Cooked. mean, especially in those days without. Uh, emergency rooms and hospitals and, and medical things that, that we have access to today. But if something happened in battle uh, and one of those major organs was damaged, then you're done. So the breastplate covered all of that. So it's one of our most important protective pieces. Right. Right? Right. When the devil tries to come at you, it covers. it covers you. It covers your heart. Absolutely. Right? It covers, you know, you know, they say Jesus came into my heart. Yeah. So it covers where Jesus is living. 
How about that? Man, that's deep right there, buddy. Man. That's deep. <laughs> when when we walk outside of righteousness, uh, we're walking on potentially deadly ground. Um, the, in fact, ancient Hebrews use vital organs to describe how they felt. If you read a lot in the Old Testament, David actually referenced a lot of vital organs when he was talking about how he felt. Um, he referenced his bowels of mercy, uh, kidneys. Uh, there's actually several references to kidneys that he makes, uh, the heart. All of these talked about how he felt. Righteousness protects our heart. It protects how we feel. Uh, here's the point to prove. Show me somebody that is not living right, and I will show you someone that internally feels horrible because there's a conviction that grabs a hold of men when they're not doing the right things before God. There's 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 a holy conviction. And although we don't like to say it, uh, most men are, are very unhappy when they are making poor choices. A man of God that knows the right choices he should be making and knows the right decisions to make, when he doesn't make them, a holy conviction will grab his heart. If there's one piece of armor that is tied to us emotionally, it's this piece right here. It's the breastplate of righteousness. And you know, another point about the breastplate of righteousness is the fact that when you put on, the when a soldier puts his breastplate on, guess where it connects to? His belt. His belt. That's what sec- helps secure it. Helps, helps also um, support the weight of the breastplate. Right. So righteousness... And truth, right? As we said in the last episode, are tied in together, right? Right. Um, I was looking in the concordance, and we had gone over this a little bit before in the Belt of Truth series, and I think it's befitting if we just talk about it one more time. We ask, "What what is righteousness?" We hear this word righteousness, and we, you know, but what what is it? What what does it mean? What is what does God say it is? Um, so. I like what it says in the coordinates where it breaks it down. It says righteousness is integrity. It's virtue. It's purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. Integrity. Right. The breastplate of righteousness, like you, you we should be covered in integrity, covered in a purity of life, covered in virtue, right? You know, a correctness of how we think, how we act, and how we feel. That should be covering us and protecting us from the enemy who's trying to infiltrate your heart, right, and your spirit. Righteousness before God is simply this: is you're doing what is right. Our generation has totally drifted away from doing what is right. Think of all the corruption that we see nowadays. Uh, the corruption within politics, the corruption within our businesses, the corruption within our families. Uh, it is a cutthroat society. Uh, you know, <laughs> we uh, I used to work in local politics uh, and for the for Metro here. So I worked for elected officials, and uh, it was corrupt. Like there was so many things that happened behind the scenes, and I've often made this statement that if it happened on a local level, 
I can't imagine what's going on behind the scenes of a federal level, and this is not a polit- you know a politics show or nothing, uh, and we won't get into that. But just the corruption, there's no integrity. There are people that are just making poor choices because they're out to 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 get what they want. So for men, the simplicity of doing what is right, it looks like this, and and this is very practical. Men, are you doing what is right on your taxes? Come on, man. Are you honest on your taxes? Stepping on my toes. <laughs> I know, right? That kidding. was for you. That was I, that was intended for you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, are you I swear do- I gave all that money. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing what is right when your wives aren't around? Are you doing what is right uh, within the confines of, of when you're by yourself? Being honest in business transactions. Uh, it takes more courage to do what is right than to actually... Uh, or it, it takes more courage to do what is wrong than to actually make the right decision. Think about that. It takes more courage to do what is wrong than to actually make the right decision. In, uh, in Isaiah 55, uh, verse 8, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And so left to our own selves, you know, our thoughts and our ways are going to drift to to the to the negative to the bad to the wrong choice uh, to the to the evil thoughts and and so having that righteousness and and God's righteousness that's basically his his protection his thoughts and his ways applied to our life that's that's what keeps us that's what saves us right cause, from from making bad decisions or going astray so a lot of us we go into this spiritual battle and we think that our righteousness is going to protect us from the enemy. We think that our 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 personal righteousness and, and who we are and and going into this battle, truly we're going in unprotected. But but Christ is saying, let my right righteousness protect you. Let my righteousness cover you. Yeah, because actually we can't righteousness. True righteousness cannot come from us. It can't come out of us. Uh, <clears throat> Philippians. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, what was it? Isaiah. Right. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. So even even on our best day, our best display of righteousness is filthy rags to, to, to God. And it's not it's not true. But his righteousness covers our life. It it, it comes from him. It's 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 something that we can put on and it can come out of us and protect us, but it cannot come from us. Uh, in Philippians 3, 9, it says, uh, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Mm. Rather, I become righteousness through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. In, in other words, again, no matter how hard you try, to follow the rules and to do all the things that you know are right, unless you have faith in God to say, you know what, I cannot do this on my own. I've got to have His influence. I've got to have that shield protecting me as I as I go out into the into the world. Then, if you're de- if you're depending on your own righteousness, it's going to fail you. A hundred percent every time. You know, it's not our righteousness that can save us from the enemy. Right. It's His righteousness. You know, we go back to, you know, that definition of, of righteousness, right? It's his integrity that covers us. Right. Our definition of integrity integrity in the fleshly manner could be totally skewed as to what God's vision of integrity is or God's correctness of thinking. 
And, and in that scripture that I just read, that was actually Paul. And so Paul, before his conversion, was an expert in the law. He was a Pharisee. He was mm-hmm. he'd sat under Gamaliel. He was noted for his ability to to know the law. And so for him to to say that he no longer counted on his own righteousness through obeying the law, he had experience of of probably being one that if anybody could have followed the rules, it would have been Paul because he knew them better than anybody. But even he was the first to admit after his conversion that all of that meant nothing. And that, you know, he was honest with himself to say, no matter on, on my best day, I was not able to follow the law. And so now through, through, understanding who Jesus Christ was, he had a revelation of that. And, and that's why he was able to write, you know, I don't depend on my own righteousness, except I, I depend on him and, and righteousness comes from, from Christ and not from anything that I could do on my own. I think the slippery slope that we start going down is this, is the fact that we think when we do right things that we become, we become um, more like God. Mm. Like we feel like, okay, because I'm making all these right choices, now I'm just a really good person. Um, so Paul was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees followed the Torah. And there was 600 laws that was in the Torah. And the Pharisees said, and, and this was literally back in the days, you know, Jesus couldn't stand the Pharisees and the scribes because they were so religious and they said, if you follow all these 600 rules, you know, then you can become and start becoming right with, with God and, and right with man. And the problem was, is all that turned into just a bunch of traditionalism and legalism right. that said, you know, as long as you do this, 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 and Christ was going, look, you're never going to be able to fulfill that. You cannot live up to that. So it's the whole mindset of thinking that, uh, because I start doing right things that all of a sudden I'm all, you know, I'm going to be better with God and, and better with everybody around me. And I think that's what le- leads to an inconsistent lifestyle is you have a good day, you make a few good decisions, you put some stuff together and, and you start to feel a little bit self-confident. You have confidence and you're like, huh, man, I'm, I'm doing good. I, I read the Bible today and, and I made a good decision and that's, you know, and it, it gives you a self a false self security, and and then the next day comes along and you you launch out on your own on your own ability your own righteousness and the first thing that comes along you you fall immediately, and then that 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 tips you into a downward slope of hopelessness, which is you know what people who follow the law experience or religious people is it, is a you know I think one reason Jesus was so upset with the Pharisees was that they were spreading a message of hopelessness to the people. They said, yeah. only we have a, a, a chance to be saved because we know these laws and we can follow them. You normal common people yeah. will yeah. never be able to do this. And that's why people, they tried, but there was never a message that said you, you, you can succeed. And then Jesus came along and he said, you absolutely cannot succeed without me. But with me, there is hope of salvation. There's right. hope of freedom from from this law that has no grace attached to it. But again, if we if we launch out and say, you know, oh, I can do it because we had a good day, that's going to be followed by a bad day. And what happens is you you look, live a wildly inconsistent life. You're up one day and down the next. Right. Which is not what God has for us. Yeah, cuz like you you feel like you're trying to live up to that expectation, an unrealistic expectation, right? 
Right. I want to bring out um, a, a point about the breastplate. What Doing some reading and some research, the breastplate doesn't cover the back. Right. Right? So it only covers the front. Why do you think that is? I think it goes back to the part of, you know, we're never meant to turn away. We're, we're never meant to, to walk away from the battle. I think our, our defense and we're protected. When, if, you, if you remember the very, first, the very first words that is mentioned when Paul is talking here in Ephesians, he says, stand, therefore. Stand. In other words, there's going to be days that you feel like running away, and there's going to be days that you feel like walking away. But if you walk away from your marriage, if you walk away from your 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 calling, if you walk away from your ministry, if you walk away from the church, then you are not protected. You have to stay uh, facing the battlefield because if you walk away, you're not protected. the The breastplate doesn't cover the backside; it covers the front side because you was never meant to to run from the battle. You was meant to face the battle. That's a good point, and I think that um, men today. It's like we give up so easily, right? You know, it's like we we get tired of fighting, and we get we get tired of whatever it is, whatever your issue is. Maybe you over and over, you're failing at the same thing, and you know the enemy's closing in on you, and you decide to turn and walk away. Yeah, it's like man, you are exposing. Then you're truly exposing yourself, and that that plays into the hopelessness of of feeling that you have to you have to be successful on your own. Or if I, if I, man, if I could have just made better decisions, you know, when, again, we're putting all of that responsibility on ourselves, which ties back into what Paul said and says, I don't, I don't rely on my own ability to obey the law anymore. And he was free from that. And that's, that's, that's a big thing, but it does take faith. Again, we can't just, you know, oh, I'm going to do it. You have to believe that God is actually going to make you successful and make you righteous without you having to uh, be responsible for every every part of it. So I, I got a little story to tell. Uh, I guess it was a couple months ago. We took our car to go get it fixed, and uh, we take it to an old garage, uh, you know, up the road. And, and the guy, I mean, it's just a few guys working in this garage, and uh, customer service is horrible. Uh, God bless them. They can fix a car, and they fix it cheap, but their customer service is horrible. So I told my wife, I said, let's drive the car up here. I said, let's drop it off. And, uh, and, and, and I actually, in fact, I was by myself. And so, uh, I'll see if they can get it in. So I drop it off and, uh, I didn't have a ride back down to the other vehicle. And so, uh, I thought, man, I don't want to sit here and wait for Brandy to get here. Cause it's going to be another hour. So I thought about bumming a ride finding somebody that could take me down the road. Man, don't you have Uber on your phone? Yeah. I was going to say, there's this thing called Uber <laughs> or Lyft. It's not I, new, but... I'm too cheap for that, fellas. I'll probably just cost a ride. five bucks. <laughs> Stick my thumb up and hitch, hitchhike. So anyhow, uh, there was another uh, there was another guy that, that rode in, and he was older, and he was in a nice truck. So I was looking. I was evaluating the people that I could choose to ride with or who to ask. And uh, there was a couple people that come in, and they was kind of rough looking, and I thought, nope, not them. <laughs> so I finally found this older man and uh, I said, man, I said, would you mind giving me a ride down the road? It's about five minutes away to, to my other vehicle. And, uh, he said, yeah, partner, hop on up in here. And so I get up in his truck 
And uh, that sounds like Humphrey. 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 So uh, I hop up there in his truck, and you know, making casual talk with him. And I don't know this guy from anybody. He could have been a mass murderer that just drove me off somewhere and killed me. And so, uh, come to find out, what town were you in? Uh, that would be your town, my friend. <laughs> were you in Portland? <laughs> no, Millersville. Well, I live not you. my town. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, uh, I, I found out he's actually a, a super, super nice guy. And uh, so, all right, time goes by. I go back a couple weeks later. I go to pick up the car. And so, literally, it's, it was like a week or so later. So here's that guy sitting down. And uh, I said, man, I said, I want to thank you for giving me a, that ride that day. And uh, he said, oh, buddy, partner, no problem at all. He said, I'm getting ready to move back down to Florida. Well, we got to talking. And come to find out he was a really good Christian man, a very good Christian man. And I told him, I said, uh, I said I was a little worried that day. I said, I didn't know what you was like. I said, I didn't know if you was a mass murderer, uh, you know, going to shoot me and, and take me off somewhere and kidnap me. And this is what he said. He looked at me and he said this. He said, you always make the right decisions when your heart is in the right place. He then said this. He said, when you are covered, this is what he said. He says, when you're covered by the blood of Jesus, your heart is pumping his blood, and the devil can't cross that bloodline. Man, and at the beginning of our day, we have to realize that our hearts have to be covered by the blood of Christ because if it is, we will make the right decisions. Um, it's all about our heart being in it. And, you know, you talked just a second ago about the backside, you know, and, and if we walk away, we're not covered. Our heart has to be in this. And if our heart is in the right place, then we're going to make the right decisions. Uh, there's a book, our oldest child, Carly, if you know her, man, she's a character. Uh, she's our social butterfly, and uh, she's a lot of fun. But she was our strong-willed child. And our strong-willed child, man, we could not break her as a baby. I mean, she broke us. In fact, she's still breaking me. Uh, it's amazing how she's, she has survived a shaken baby syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, But anyhow, there's a book that ja uh, James Dobson wrote, and it's called The Strong-Willed Child. And this is what he said. I'll sum it up for you. You don't even have to get the book. Just listen to this. He said, if you can get their heart in the right spot, then they will naturally gravitate toward the right things. That is so powerful. Men, if we get our heart in the right place, we will naturally gravitate toward the right things of God. And it's not about us doing all the right things because if you concentrate on that, your motives are wrong. But men, our heart has got to be with loving God and loving God's people, and our heart will then be in the right place and Which we'll is do the right things. Which is why the Apostle Paul talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Right. Because that shield, that 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 piece of armor is what protects you. It covers you. It covers your integrity, right? Yeah. You know? If you're not covered, then your heart is going to be susceptible to being taken over right. by the enemy. I'll just throw this out there. We can edit it out if it's bad. But uh, we're talking about, you know, no no armor on the back. But I'm just thinking, like, in my head, I've seen some war movies. And even if you're moving forward, like, 
that's not to say that you don't get turned around or somebody doesn't come up behind you. Mm. So to say that we, we just move forward and that's why we have armor only on the front, that makes me, you know, just, I don't know why I do this, but I always think of, well, what about that situation? So I'm thinking in my head, and maybe this is God, but maybe the reason Paul never talked about armor or, or used, you know, talked about any kind of back armor is that sometimes we fear our past or we fear the things that are already behind us or, you know, and, and that was, that was God's way of telling us that those things that are behind us are behind us and they can't, they can't have power over us, especially after we are under the blood and that we, we have to be shielded going forward. But the things that are in our past are in our past. They're not, they're things that we need to let go. We can't fear and they can't attack us from from behind from the past anymore because through his so i i see what you're saying it's like so paul says you know to, to stand right he doesn't right. say to walk away to run away but if we, we we stand and the enemy's coming toward us so what you're talking about is like your past can't I mean, come, can't can't come back and destroy you i mean think about paul right think about his past right yeah if if, if i was a person like if i was paul and, and I had been converted, but the things that I had walked away from involved persecuting Christians. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about Paul. He doesn't. He doesn't give us his his inner personal feelings in Scripture a lot through the letters he wrote. But just think about the kind of thoughts that he had to have, and that he had to have gotten deliverance over feeling condemnation over his past because he was he was basically sending people to their deaths. You know. Yeah. And so, you know, I maybe there's something to that is, you know, a lot of us have pasts that we're not proud of. I mean, everybody has sin in their past. And and sometimes it's easy to ask for forgiveness, but it's hard to let those things go. And, and we have things that we fear or maybe it's generational curses that we feel have have a hold over us or that, you know, well, I, I was successful today, but I know what kind of person I was in the past and I fear that coming back on me or I fear going here and doing, I feel God calling me to this, but I'm afraid because I know the mistakes I've made in my past. Maybe I can't do this. And you know, it's a lot of things that sometimes our past can cripple us and, and we start, we start fearing the past, but you know, maybe, maybe by God saying I'm protecting your front is to say, not that we we don't need protection on our on our on our back, but to say that the things that are back there are back there, and they can't get at you again because you're moving forward. You're not you're not fearing your past. Think of how many men are listening to this right now that are are being paralyzed by their past, True. their past mistakes, and uh, because you didn't do the right thing. Right. I mean, we're talking about the righteousness of Christ, doing the right things before God. And think about how often the things in the past paralyze you because you didn't make the right decision. You didn't make the right choice. You, 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 you made the wrong choice in the job. You made the wrong choice with your taxes. You made the wrong choice when you was by yourself. You made the wrong choice, and that is paralyze, paralyze, paralyzing you. Uh, I want to bring this up. J.H. Osborne, if you know him, he said this in a message. He was talking about David. And uh, David had made a mistake uh, with Bathsheba, and they had a son, and he uh, that son died. And at that point, 
the Bible says David got up. He quit crying. And this is what David did. David buried his past, and he married the present, mm. and he gave birth to the future. He buried the baby that had died, the poor decision that he had made. He buried that. He buried his consequence. He married Bathsheba, mm-hmm. the present, and he gave birth to Solomon, which was the future of the kingdom. So men, listen to this right now. The choice is in your past. That may have messed you up, but you've got to bury that. Marry where you are, accept where you are, so that God can can do great things through you going forward. I was talking to a guy. He's he's going away to school out of state, and and he was struggling to make a decision of whether to go or, or stay home and go to college in state. And, and so I was talking to him about it, and he said one of the biggest things is he was afraid to get away from his family and his church and go out of state to college because he, he knew that in his past he'd been susceptible to peer pressure and he'd made dumb decisions. And and it was, you know, I know that, that that's something that's a very real fear for everyone, but especially somebody his age. But when I, when I talked to him about it, I said, man, you cannot be fearful of where God might be taking you because you feel like the things that you fell and failed at before, you'll do automatically do again. Because God never meant for anyone to live in fear. He meant for us to live in faith. And a lot of times we, we fear moving forward because we're so chained to what we've done and our failures in the past. And I think freedom from that and, and a confidence in the direction that you're going, that you're, you're wearing the breastplate of righteousness to cover you moving forward, that you're not, you don't have to repeat the failures of your past. Right. That's a good point. Um, that was a, the, the insight, Aaron, that you brought up about like the the past not coming back to destroy you, and that's why maybe that's we don't need that armor in our back. I mean, I, I know personally how I let my past decisions keep me from God's ministry. Like it just just unbelievable, right? Like I feel like I, I'm done. I'll I'll never never be used again. Right. And I had to come to the realization that, you know what? Yeah, I've made mistakes. God's forgiven me. But God's promises are are still true, right? Right. God's calling is still true. And to accept that and to bury that past and to move on, that's why we're sitting in this room today doing this podcast. That's why. Yeah. You know, um, I decided... I decided one night at the altar that I was no longer going to live under that condemnation. I'm no longer going to live with those chains binding me. God was God was just like, I just want you to take a step forward and I will break those chains that, that the enemy has over you because of your past. That's awesome. What and, message with that? I remember it was a Sunday night, wasn't it? It was a Sunday night. And, man, and I'll, I'll tell the story real quick. It was a Sunday night. Um and we came to church that morning and it was probably like five or five fifteen. And I live we live about thirty five minutes away from the church that I said I I just felt this call like I wasn't going to come, but I just I felt this strong unction that I just to go. And um Pastor was talking about he was talking about the elephant, how they train the elephant in the circus, like to stay. Like how they put the chain around him, they, they they tie him up, and then he's conditioned to think that he can't move, and then they'll keep the chain around him, but they won't tie it to the stump. Yeah. 
And then finally they just don't even, right? And he was just like, he said, there's an elephant in this room that God is just waiting for you to make that move. And man, I knew he was talking. Like you get that feeling like you know God is speaking to you strong. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I could take you to the spot where we prayed. But um, Joe Wood was up there praying with his wife. And, man, I was delaying. Like, I was like, oh, I, don't, I need to go up there, but I don't. Man, that heart just racing and pounding. Like, you know that feeling? Like, it's just like God's telling you, right. you tonight's your night. Because I've been wrestling with it for so long. And, um, man, I went up. I said, I said Joe, I, I need you to pray with me. And man, he he wrapped his. I just gave him a big hug. And man, I'm gonna tell you, God moved so powerful in my life that night. I mean, I've never felt the 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 power of God's Spirit move because it's just like everything was destroyed, like all of the oppression, the depression, the the chains of bondage, like were just broken that night. And I felt like God truly set me free. And through that. God rebirthed his ministry in me and rebirthed his calling in me. And um, I said, I'm not going to let my past keep me keep me back from what God has for me. That's great. You know, and through that, some dreams have, have come out. You know, this ministry. Right. You know, I couldn't imagine, like, still being stuck right. in my past, just going, oh, I just wish I, I, wish I could do a podcast, but my past is going to, you know what? I own my past, and I'm going to use it to help somebody who's listening right now. Right. Right. That's an excellent point because the Bible says that, that God casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness and, and he can forget them, but we can't. But instead of being paralyzed or crippled from moving forward, I feel like God intends us to remember our sins so that we can use those experiences to relate to people who are struggling now or to or to have a testimony that can can be an instrument of deliverance for somebody else. So, you know, God said he forgets them for us to understand that he doesn't hold that against us. Once we've once we've repented of, of something, God no longer holds that against That's you. That's right. Yeah. But you keep remembrance of that because that becomes a tool for you in ministry and in, in relationships that you have with people to relate to different people. Because I know there's, there's so many people who have ministries that I will never have because of, of the bad choices that they've made that turned into great testimonies and great experience that they can relate to other people. Absolutely. And I think, um, the, the key is owning, owning your past. Okay. God's forgiven you. It's underneath the blood. You can move on from that. Don't let that hinder you use that in, use that for God's glory now, because if, if, a, if another man that God puts in my life is going through what I went through, then I pray that I can give him my testimony of how God healed my marriage, how God healed me, how God strengthened me, and how God put me back together right. and see what God is doing in, in, in my life now and hope that would bring somebody like hope and inspiration that right. if God will do it for him, then surely he'll do it for me, yeah. right? This is so good uh, you know, for every man listening to this to, to realize that you know, your past doesn't have to continue to haunt you and that you have a future in Christ, even though the choices you made then was poor choices that you can still move forward. I want to put a little spin on it. Okay. Okay. Not to be Debbie Downer. Jeez. Okay. So, wah, wah. Yeah, I know, right? But I want to tell every man, though, the reality 
of when you make poor choices that you still have to pay for them in this world. That's that's true, and I think we forget that. Yeah, that, and and like there's a lot of I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go go ahead. There, there's a lot of men that you made a poor choice of how you treated your spouse, or you made a poor business decision, and you can't just go in and say, "Well, God's forgiven me. Why can't you forgive me?" No, you've got to build trust back with people, right? Trust back with your spouse, uh, and you can't repair those things within a day. There are still consequences that you have uh, uh, to pay for when you make bad choices. I want to prove that to you real quick. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah fifty nine seventeen. This is actually prophetic. I didn't realize this till today when I was studying it. The Bible says this in Isaiah that He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Uh, Christ is not telling us to do anything that He didn't do Himself. Mm. Doing the right thing and living the right life is not an impossible task. But I want to bring up something from the Old Testament. The high priest, my dad was a student of the of the tabernacle and the priest, and so I kind of grew up uh, obviously listening to that and learning a lot about it. The high priest was required to wear certain clothing, and ironically, one of those pieces was the breastplate. And his breastplate wrapped from the shoulders from the top all the way down, and it had 12 beautiful stones on the front of it. And those stones was the 12 tribes of Israel. But the breastplate had another name, and it was called the breastplate of judgment. And let me tie that into Ephesians. When we don't walk in the righteousness of God, when we make poor choices that separate us from the calling of God, there's judgment. And we live in an age of blame that nobody wants to take the blame for anything that they've done that's wrong. But God's Word teaches us that there is judgment and we're going to pay when we don't make the right choices. So I want to tell every man this. I want to go back to what we was talking about, that you, the blood of Jesus covers us. Your past is your past, but you still may be having to repair choices and repair relationships, decisions that you made that are consequences from that. But don't allow that to stop you. Understand where you are. Understand the truth is the fact that I did make a mistake, I'm repairing those things, and I'm moving forward. I, I, I want to say this very quickly. David still did have a baby to bury. There was judgment. Yeah. But that didn't stop him from marrying the present and moving on. So so men, be encouraged to know that the fact that you can move on and that, that God's hands over your life. Excellent point. Uh, there's just so much that we could just keep talking about with – the breastplate of righteousness and um guys we we have to put it on paul says put it on put on the whole armor we cannot leave our house we can't leave our family without putting on god's righteousness it's there to protect your heart it's there to protect your thinking it's there to protect you it's there to protect your spirit to keep us from making those wrong decisions um Guys, I really hope you guys are enjoying this series. I'm enjoying just just the freestyle talk and and really just picking each other's brains and bringing bringing just a different light, different angles um, to the scripture. Because you know, like the Word of God says, "Iron sharpens iron." It's good for us to talk about this. It's good for us to um, to become more knowledgeable because knowledge is power. 
And we've got to be prepared because we are fighting an enemy that knows your buttons. He knows your weaknesses. And, you know, it's my brother was a police officer. And I remember when he graduated um, the police academy, they told them, you know, it's like the, the day you walk out of when, when you start your patrol and you do not have on your Kevlar vest, right. your protection, your breastplate, you're, you know, you're, you're going to make yourself uh, susceptible for to get shot. And it's the same thing for us. There's an enemy who is trying to take you down, trying to take you down. You've got to put on your breastplate of righteousness Amen. before you step out the door and all the other armors with it. So, guys, join us next week. We're going to be talking about uh, preparing your feet. you got to cover up your piggies, man, with preparation. Peace in your feet. Peace in your feet. Peace in your piggies. We're going to talk about that next week. Thank you for joining us here on Armor Up 613 podcast. For Jonathan. See you later. Aaron. Bye. Bye. He's so (laughs) simple. I love it. I'm Mark. We'll see you next week. Remember, guys, it's a battleground, not a playground.